This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Becky All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Ed Egros, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. What day is it? It's Monday. That means it's Jason Lock and Forehead Day. That's what day it is. We are joined now by Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lock and Forehead, host of the Odyssey Original Podcast in the Hutter Huddle with Brian Baldinger and Carl Dukes, covering the entire NFL. All right, so let's talk about Sunday night football and the, I'd say, lopsided score between the Eagles and the Dolphins. How much of that was Philadelphia being a true contender to win the whole darn thing? And how much of it was, dare I say, the Dolphins maybe as frauds, perhaps? Yeah. Well, I think certainly the Eagles looked at that as an opportunity to um, send a message to the rest of the league that, that you know, their demise uh, was greatly exaggerated or their problems have probably been a little bit blown out of proportion versus the rest of the league, right? They were talking first world problems for the Eagles and there's not that many teams out put in that category. Um, they got back to um, basics. I felt like in, in a lot of ways. And honestly, to me, Jalen Hurts didn't look quite right physically. Some of the times when he got up after a hit or, just his body language, um, getting into the huddle. I, I feel like physically he was dealing with some things. Um, and so you didn't see them lean into some of the option stuff with him as much as I thought they would. He did still, you know, thankfully cover his uh, rushing attempts prop. But I don't even know that that was necessarily the Eagles at like optimal levels. I, I think it was them just telling people that, hey, when, when we – don't when we come to play when our quarterback doesn't melt down we're going to be a tough out for anybody especially if you have to come here and play us um I, I think the the dolphins now have some work to do and some of it may come from within right getting some guys back healthy playing better on defense like a jalen ramsey might help but they've now been asked to kind of punch up in weight class twice and I don't even know right now if Buffalo still would be a, a, a step up. It certainly seemed like it at the time. And they're 0 for 2. Um, and this wasn't a game where it was like the elements, right? It was a nice nice night for football. This wasn't – weather wasn't a factor. Um, and they still, you know, came up short on, on the road again. So, yeah, I, I think we learned a little bit about Miami and the work they still have to do. Uh, and I think for, again, people who, who didn't look at the Eagles as a team that's very, you know, potent and potentially poised to get back to the Super Bowl, 
I, I think that was an indication of what, what happens when they protect the football even a little bit. Uh, Jason, it happened again. And what I'm talking about is over the last month, when there is one team that is being talked up, talked up all week long, they lay an egg. It was the Dolphins after they scored 70. Then it was the Bills after they beat the Dolphins. Then it was the Niners. And yesterday it was the Lions just getting trounced by the Ravens. How far into that game? I mean, I know you watched the entire thing. How far into that game were you like, okay, Baltimore's just running running away and hiding in this one. Like, Detroit has no chance. Well, I think three series in. I mean, it's 21 nothing, and Detroit has gone three and out, three and out, three and out, and they've got 13 net yards. And at that point in time, like the idea that they were going to throw the ball a ton to Gibbs and, you know, St. Brown underneath looking for yak, it'll sustain drives. Um, they could stay balanced. I thought play action was going to be, especially first down play action, which is something that Ravens defense hadn't really seen all year. They'd faced the second fewest attempts of play action in the league. I think the first few is early down play action, right? And that's a staple of that Lions offense. But I mean, who's buying play action when it's 21 nothing in the first quarter? Like, hey, you can fake hand it off all you want. Or guess what, big boy? Go ahead and hand it off because the clock's our friend. You know, so that I thought was going to be a pivotal element in the game. How would these linebackers, you know, especially like a Patrick Queen, respond when, when sort of teased in that manner? And, and that part of the playbook disappeared. And by halftime, it's garbage time. And I'm just sitting there hoping and praying that the under could still come through. And then Gus Edwards takes a screen pass 60 yards, 80 yards. And it's like, yeah, this is not going under. Um, Look, I like the Lions. I've already made a small bet on the Lions for next week. I was at seven and a half last night. I think they're going to deplete the Raiders. Like, I I wouldn't go crazy about, like, what this says about the Lions. You know, that team is built to try to be able to beat you with multiple backs and I think by the end of the year, they're going to have a really interesting pony package um, under Ben Johnson, uh, who people are going to want as a head coach, with Montgomery and Gibbs on the field at the same time, you know, with Laporta, with a couple of the receivers. But they, they just haven't really been able to get to any of that. They haven't had those guys on the field at the same time. Um, but look, what the Ravens did to that offensive line and being able to get five more sacks, I, I thought was 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 pretty phenomenal. And I still think Eric DaCosta, their GM, might try to add somebody, maybe a reunion with Justin Houston to just fortify that depth. You can never have enough. Um, but I think what Baltimore's defense did, basically pitching a shutout until complete garbage time, was really impressive. Um, but look, if you played that game 10 more times, I don't know that there's a script, right, where it's 21-0, three, three, three possessions in. That's how it happened yesterday. Who knows? Maybe they meet again in, in what I guess would probably be the least sexy Super Bowl of all time, right? Baltimore against Detroit. I don't know how that would play nationally. but <laughs> It would be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah. I was on the Bills side yesterday, not happy about that mm-hmm. one. So I have a few questions here. Can the Bills turn things around? Are they going to miss the playoffs? Because I'm not very confident in them right now. Yeah. And then how do you rate the Pats moving forward? What was that that we saw? I can't believe it with Mac Jones. And you look at the Patriots schedule. It, of course, they're at Miami this week, but then it kind of seems like smooth sailing for them that they could maybe turn things around. Yeah, I'm not buying the Patriots. You know, they, they've had two games where they've stepped up. It's been division teams that they know very well. Um, 
and it's it, you know they, they've the quarterbacks have have sort of been double agents. There's been early turnovers in that game, in those games that I think have, have let New England stay stay in it. And Mac Jones tried to give it away last yesterday again. You know, it's just that <laughs> the Bills' defense couldn't couldn't do their part to make that last touchdown drive hold up. Do I think they get in the playoffs? I do. I just think there's too much talent there. There's too much um, institutional knowledge. There's too many smart people. Uh, now, do they subtly do some things with their coaching staff uh, in terms of who's doing what on the offensive side of the ball? Um, and that's a team that's going to have to do something in the next week at the deadline. And I know that they're very hamstrung because all the big salaries they have. And from a salary cap standpoint, they can't just go assume, you know, a, a $10 million, $12 million salary. But they better do something to beef up that, you know, that front seven a little bit. Um whether it's like a Danico Autry from the Titans or something like that. You know, even when Ed Oliver comes back, I mean, how good is Ed Oliver? They, they, they need a little more bite defensively. Um, and, yes, yeah, something's off there. I thought this would be their bounce-back game. So I, I'm more concerned about the Bills than I am, you know, ready to proclaim that Bill Belichick has figured it out. I still think the Patriots are, are, are pretty broken. You know, they found a way to win that divisional game at home yesterday. And, and hats off for that, but I don't think any win streaks are looming. I am seeing Miles Garrett as now a co-favorite to win Defensive Player of the Year alongside Micah Parsons with uh, T.J. Watt. Uh, just a scotch behind uh, the duo there. And then after that, there's a massive drop-off with the Nick Bosa's and Fred Warner's of the world. Is Miles Garrett your Defensive Player of the Year through the first seven games? I mean, I'd probably have to think about it a little more. Um, he'd obviously be be in the conversation. Um, look, I, I think TJ Watt's going to have a whole lot to say about all this when it's all said and done. Uh, and I think the Steelers are, are going to win more games than the Browns, and I think the Steelers are going to the playoffs. Um, you know, and, and, like, if the Browns are who I think – the Browns, I mean – Browns were damn lucky, should be thanking every lucky star that they won that game sure. yesterday. And this quarterback situation with the Browns, I, you just can't tell me, knowing all the personalities there, that this is going to end really well. You know, I don't think the coach wanted Watson in the first place. He was foisted upon him. Now nobody can figure out what's going on with him from a health standpoint, seemingly from day to day, let alone week to week. Like, I don't know that that team, right, is going to overcome all that. Like, this team has losing in their bones. This team was dying to lose that game yesterday. The refs wouldn't let them. Like, that, that, that apparently wasn't in the script. Uh, that, there was some chicanery uh, being thrown. <laughs> some of that laundry being thrown around on the football field late in that one. Um, no, I don't think the fix was in, obviously. But they benefited from a bunch of judgment calls that went their way. I don't think they can win offensively this way. Um, so I guess I'm saying, I don't know that by, you know, week 14, 15, 16, we're sitting here thinking a whole lot about the Browns. And if we're not, I, you know, unless Miles Garrett is setting, you know, setting a sack record or something like that. And he might not even be the only guy doing it. Like, you know, I think he might end up in sort of that Max Crosby bin where it's like, my God, look what all the, that guy did. But like, how many, you know what I mean? Where did it get him? Uh, no, you wrote about this for the Washington Post the other day, but the trade deadline, eight days away. 
And we're hearing a lot of quarterback names uh, being thrown into the mix uh, locally here. Uh, after uh, one guy's out, Bajic comes in and the Bears actually win a game. Do you think it's going to be an active uh, deadline coming up over the next week? I do. Quarterbacks are tricky just because of everything that goes into that position, right? I mean, I remember even when the 49ers acquired Garoppolo midseason. I think he sat a month before he played. Um, you know, and that was that was with – a, 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 a little bit of familiarity, but obviously Shanahan um, hadn't coached him before. Yeah, I don't know about quarterbacks. Like, I don't think Kirk Cousins is going anywhere. I think he's he's okay there. I think he wants to be there. I think um, he'd like to re-sign there. And frankly, if they went end up winning seven, eight games, what are they going to do in the draft? They, they, they may have to to you know do another short-term deal with him. I think Josh Dobbs. Like, if I'm, I'm the Cleveland Browns, I want Josh Dobbs back. Like, you, you, Kyler Murray's almost ready. Give me Josh Dobbs. I'll take that over DTR and PJY and whatever the hell else we've got in our, <laughs> our room right now. $52 million man. I'd rather have Josh Dobbs than, you know, the $52 million man. If I'm, if I'm Kevin Stefanski. Uh, yeah, you know, some backup quarterbacks, possibly. Uh, but, yes, I think there'll be trades. I'd be shocked if the Denver Broncos don't make two or three trades. I'd be shocked. I'm actually made some calls over the weekend. I'm working on another piece for the for the post right now. I'd be shocked if uh, the Panthers don't make at least a couple of trades. Um, I'd be shocked if, you know, Bill Belichick doesn't move a veteran or two for a draft pick. Um, Tennessee, and there's eight to nine teams that if they're not, in some cases, I think they're highly motivated to make trades. Like the Giants, the, I know they won yesterday. Are they going anywhere? No. Are they looking to shed a little bit of payroll and try to get some draft picks? Other GMs think they are. Uh, you know, Minnesota, while I don't think they're going to completely – well, if they trade Daniel Hunter, that would be maybe the right flag. But, like, I, I do think they could do that. Like, if Hunter and Burns were traded, I wouldn't flinch. You know, and Gakwe with Chicago, like, what are they going to win with him? Like, where is that money going? You know, like, I think there will be some teams – Justin Houston, who just got to Carolina, where are they? What's gonna? What's he gonna do for them in the second half of the year? Let's try to get a pick for him. Trade him to a contender. I think pass rushers. I think corners. Um, you know, a couple running backs. P. Ryan. Some teams might look at him. You know, in Denver and say we could use him in our four minute offense. Hell, the Bengals could use him back. You know, the Bengals need a tight end. Whether that's Hunter Henry or whether that's you know uh, Hayden Hurst or Hayden Hurst. Right or or something lesser and cheaper, they don't have a tight end in that offense right now. So yeah, I don't think Andy Reid's done, and I think Andy Reid get another pass catcher. So yeah, I, I I think we'll see you know eight to ten significant you know to fairly significant trades. Love it. Well, speaking of Kirk Cousins, he's in prime time tonight, Monday night football. This spread at six and a half, seven. No Justin Jefferson. I think that's really going to hurt this Viking squad. But then on the other side, you've got the Niners. No Trent, no Debo. What are you expecting tonight, Jason? Uh, I'm banking on an under. I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping and praying <laughs> on an under. I mean, look, there's a lot of people who looked at that San Francisco-Cleveland game Right, and they said, "Well, my God, what what could the 49ers do? They're up against the '86. It's a combination of the 2000 Ravens and '86 Bears in one package. Jimmy Schwartz Dang. defense. It's just from another planet. Well, guess what? I'm old enough to remember Baltimore putting up 28 on them just before that. And uh, did you see what Minshew did yesterday? So uh, maybe it's just that the 
Lakers without all their best players, like everybody else in the league, struggle. And maybe it's just that Purdy, without the ultimate security blanket at left tackle, might start hearing footsteps, might be under duress a little bit more, and might be fallible. Like every other young quarterback in the history of the league, maybe he's got some picks in him too. I got it at plus 165. I still see it around plus 158, plus 145, depending on where you shop. And so, yeah, I I think that Kyle Shanahan might be in survival mode in this game. Um, And that offense, 6.2 yards per play with Debo and CMC, 4.0 without him. Um, I think that's a real thing. And Minnesota's defense the last three weeks, and we can talk about who they played, Chicago, Kansas City, Carolina. I get it. But 46 total points allowed, 12 sacks in that span. That's fourth in the NFL. 4.3 yards per play allowed. That's third in the NFL. Opposing quarterback rating, 89.1, 6.5 yards per attempt. Like, maybe they're starting to, to to embrace what Flores is doing. You know, maybe all the blitzing guys are finally on the same page. I feel like it's coming together a little bit there. And, you know, is Cousins going to score more than 17, 20 tonight? I don't think so. You know, I'm hoping this game is played in the high teens, low 20s. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the under. Um, I like Purdy to throw an interception. Good stuff, Jason Lockenfora. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. That was Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lockenfora. Make sure to follow In the Huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, looks like the 49ers should have Christian McCaffrey tonight. We will discuss how that will impact our bets for Monday Night Football. That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth with you. Time to talk a little Monday Night Football between the 49ers and the Vikings. And per BetMGM, as the 49ers are seven-point favorites on the road, 81% of the bets and 67% of the handle, they are backing San Francisco. Joe, are you backing the public? Oh, man. I guess... Not not with a lot yeah. of confidence. I'll say that. Like I felt really good about some of the stuff over the weekend, even the one that I lost uh, with the Chargers. But I felt great about the Bears, the Steelers, the Eagles last night. And for the purpose of our contest picks, for the purpose of contests that I'm in, I did put the Niners in at minus six and a half as my fifth pick. Do I feel great about it? No. Uh, If you're forcing me to pick a side, I would go with San Francisco, even though they're without Debo. It looks like they're going to be out without Trent Williams, which is a big deal. Um, You know, it's kind of like the way we talk about Lane Johnson and the Eagles. Like if they didn't have him, I think it's a similar situation with the Niners and Trent Williams. And we don't know about Christian McCaffrey. Like that's the other hard part of this handicap. Okay. We saw how awful it was a week ago without their key players. 
But then there's also, we don't know about Christian McCaffrey, the guy that's the favorite right now to be the offensive player of the year or the, or the second favorite, whatever. Like the guy that scored a touchdown in what, what do we have, 15 straight games now? It's unreal. Um, there's some chatter about the home road splits with Brock Purdy. I would just say, yes, the ATS record is not strong on the road. It's great at home. It's perfect at home. But if you really look at the numbers, yes, they're not as good. Expected. And they're not bad numbers. Like, the rating is still 95. Like, he's still completing over 60% of his passes when he's on the road. Look, I the, the difference between facing a Cleveland defense and facing the Minnesota defense is very, very different. So even without some of their key players, I'm expecting a bit of a bounce back. My focus for this game, though, is not the side. It's where do you go? Are you going Kittle or are you going Ayuk without Debo and maybe without McCaffrey? Uh, history would tell us that Kittle's had some big games when Debo's not on the field. But I'm honed in on Ayuk. I think he is set against this this secondary to have a big matchup. So, so that's what I like the most of everything on the board in this game. I'm looking at Ayuk props. I honed in on Kittle, so this will be fun. But I just think oh. this is a tough brutal matchup for the Vikings defensively even without CMC or a banged up CMC whatever we're gonna get no Debo I think it's gonna be just tough and then you've got the whole primetime Kirk narrative you've got no Justin Jefferson so defensively for the Vikings and offensively just a lack of weapons I think Justin Jefferson was everything to this Vikings team so I don't know props wise I'm having a hard time figuring out who is going to go off on the Vikings side and the Niners side I ended up settling on Kittle but I don't feel great about it um we just had Jason Lockenfora on he talked about a pretty interception of course he only has one so far this season that was uh last week it's plus 150 so that's kind of intriguing you do like what Brian Flores is doing over there a Kirk interception minus 125 I don't love this game I might actually be watching baseball I don't know what's You're happening. You're a liar. Yeah. Just, you're yes. going to be watching Kirk Cousins. You can't be here and be like, oh, Kirk's the GOAT, and you guys are hating on Kirk, and I love Kirk Cousins. And then you're like, yeah, I'm not going to watch it against the San Francisco 49ers. You're going to be watching Cousins. Stop lying. I don't know who you're lying to. Yeah. What are you trying to do here? Yeah, you want to check in on your ex and make sure he's struggling and not want good things for yeah. him. That's fine. Come yeah. on. I mean, my yeah, new crush right. is Mike McDaniel's, but well, you know, Kirk still has there's a, a list. Place in my heart. There, there's a list. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. And, and you know what? I You're will right. give you credit that even after the debacle from last night, Mike McDaniel's still your crush. Like that's good to yeah. see that you're not Children just going to let game completely sway <laughs> your love map. Is it a love map? I don't know, but yes, <laughs> that's the idea there. I love it. Good night. <laughs> Uh, I, there is a side I'm going to take here. First off, it, it is interesting that the public is kind of like torn between you guys. George Kittle to score the first touchdown is plus 850. That's one of the more bet on uh, props per bet MGM. Brandon Ayuk, 99% of the bets are on the over for him to get 71 and a half receiving yards at minus 115. So definitely yeah. the public is finding a way to kind of walk the tightrope, so to speak, between Kittle and Ayuk. 
I am not looking at either of them. I'm not really looking at this 49ers offense a whole lot. When Jason Lock and Fora, who was on in our last segment, uh, was talking about the under for this game, maybe there is a path for that. But I think the bet I probably like the most is mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins over one and a half passing touchdowns at plus 165. I think he can get there. And I think that's in large part because we don't necessarily trust this Vikings ground game a whole lot. So there's that. It's been atrocious at times. He's been really, really good with play action. And while we do love these Niners linebackers, I wonder if perhaps they bite one too many times. And so that may be also part of the mix. And with TJ Hawkinson, you know, part of the fold, I think this is like, you know, tight end one-on-one matchups where, you know, you loft it or find him wide open over the middle, something like that. And I think he might score a touchdown or two. And so there are a lot of paths where Kirk Cousins can get to at least two. And short passes, long passes, whatever the case may be, I think that's how they score their points and keep this game close, Joe. They've gotten, he's gotten to at least two passing touchdowns every game until last week. Now, so Mm -hmm. you're talking to someone who watched every play of that game, and that's tough for me because they got into the red zone once against the Bears defense. That was the first game without Jefferson. And you get into the red zone once against a team that statistically, you know, and in much of those stats on the Bears defense, you know, they're probably thrown off a little bit because in the first month they were missing so many guys in the secondary. What's been happening? They've gotten healthier, and they're playing better defense overall. Is that more about the Bears or is it more about the opponents? Uh, that's for us to figure out with future handicaps. Uh, but, yeah, that's I, I, it, it makes perfect sense, but I did not love how they looked last week without Jefferson for the first time against the Bears, getting into the red zone once. Um, now, the Vikings also, you're facing one of the better defenses. Their two wins this year, two of the worst teams in football. Panthers and the Bears those are their two wins so maybe there's a garbage time to go over the one and a half and I certainly uh understand the angle not not something I'm looking at of the Ayuk ones that I do like I don't love that it's now getting really juiced I wonder if this gets bumped up it's at four and a half receptions that's the one he usually gets over that with CMC on the field with Debo on the field so I'm so I certainly expect him to go over that against this Vikings secondary another thing I was looking at I want to get your thoughts. The idea of a Niners bounce back against a softer opponent. The team total is 24 and a half. What do you think about that? 24 and a half team total. That sounds sharp to me. It sounds really sharp. Yes. Because, you know, part of it is, you know, injuries and things like that. And if this is a Christian McCaffrey game, which is possible, because, you know, chances are he's healthy enough to play in this one. And they want to get him back into the fold. And maybe, you know, with all these blitzes, it's like, okay, well, you know, skirt through yards after contact. He's been leading in that department for a long time. I wonder if just by running the ball as much as they might, that, yeah, they'll get their points, but they won't have a whole lot of drives. And if that's the case, and 24 and a half sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the the Vikings is we know they're going to blitz. The problem all year has mm-hmm. been they're just not getting home. They're going to keep on blitzing. Right. So is Purdy going to be able to pick them apart? Uh, that That's mm-hmm. probably where the handicap starts on, on how you're going to uh, figure out your bets for this one. All right, I found a prop I love. 
mm-hmm. all know the Vikings. Well, Kevin O'Connell does not like to run the ball. Gun to head, he's still not running the ball. They can't run right. the ball. So I was thinking Madison right. under rushing, but then I saw his receiving Uh-oh. yard prop. 17 and a half. The last two weeks he had 28 and 20. Maybe he just gets involved in the receiving game more now that Justin Jefferson is out. So I'm going to go over on Madison's receiving prop at 17 and a half. It's only minus 110. Hmm. That's. I don't know. (laughs) I. Taylor. Part of it, I think. Uh, I, I'm a fade. Uh, I'm, I'm fading that one. I'm sorry. I, I, it's, I don't know what the competency is against this defense for him to be open enough to get to that number. I, I think that like at some point you do have to respect the 49ers pass defense. And it's, it's the fact that it's like you're playing quarter coverage all the time. And that's just because the linebackers are so good at it. So I, I think it's more like, all right, let's go to our weapons. We can rely upon as pass catchers. I think that's how the Vikings are going to approach this. And, and look, they, they need to figure out, okay, without Jefferson, like who do we, who can we trust in a game like this against really a defense? I don't know if it's Madison as a pass catcher to me, Joe. Well, it, it's Hawkinson, right? And you're facing yeah. a top notch defense and they're going to try and take Hawkinson away. So it's like, none of us have mentioned mm-hmm. him and he's their best playmaker right now. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of with that. Like, that scares me off. This is a great defense. What are they scheming up all week? Stopping Hawkinson. If you can stop him, what else do they have? Make KJ Osborne beat us. Make the rookie right. uh, Addison beat us. Okay, fine. He got a touchdown late in the game last week. Good for him. But um, I, I think that's their entire game plan. Uh, his prop is set at 48 and a half. I know it's kind of short. Not Well, not that much. He was in the low 50s mm-hmm. last week against a bad defense in the Bears. So, I'm not interested in Hawkinson there. Hmm. Man, Who's so, scoring the two touchdowns, Ed? That's the like question. Kurt one Hawkinson to Osborne. <laughs> yeah. One, maybe one yeah, to Osborne. Maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe some, you know, random backup tight end. I can't think of his name, but, you know, maybe that's Josh also Oliver. part of it. But uh, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, someone like that. Yeah. Like, it's Dude, probably Kate like Otten was great it. yesterday. Baker kept yeah, trying to make so Man, my right. man. How about Jake Bobo? How about it? Thank you, Aaron. Jake a Bobo. Bobo. Lowest he completion was... probability of the season to Jake Bobo. Hang that a banner grab. for that. Look oh, the at toe that tap. One. I mean, he's making Geno yeah. Smith look good because Geno's not been looking good lately. Yeah. I mean, he's making it work with no DK Metcalf on the field. Big opportunity for Bobo, and he comes through. Loved it. Look at that. That's gorgeous. Is anybody teasing San Fran to open up a teaser? Buffalo Thursday, Are we teasing that with uh, Thursday night between the Bills and the the Bucks? (laughs) Move the Bills down to minus one and a half? Is that the play? Bless you. Bless you if you have the guts (laughs) to do that. I do not. Right. (laughs) I I will not. No. Uh, Of course, I got too greedy, uh, you know, this past weekend trying to get a third leg of the teaser with the Bills. Thanks a lot. Uh, uh, so that was cool. Yeah. They I, like the other legs teasers up. They destroyed them. Right. They yeah. did. Yeah, they absolutely did. Um, I think the Vikings can cover this game. I think seven is just okay. too many. 
Vikings at home, indoors, extra week to kind of prep without Justin Jefferson. There's also one other thing. We, we talked about this a lot when it comes to why we haven't seen a whole lot of scoring in the NFL. And part of it is this red zone offense thing. And certainly we will talk about that a lot throughout the week. This might be small sample size theater, and that's fine if it is. But I want to run it by you guys. Do we care that the 49ers defense has actually struggled defending within the red zone? Because you look at defensive success rate there for San Fran, it's at roughly 30%. That's the lowest in the NFL. Now, granted, a lot of offenses don't get to the red zone when they're there against San Francisco. But when they do, they wind up scoring touchdowns uh, at a much higher rate than any other offense. And so I looked at that and thought, all right, is there something to this? Because if there is, that means for this game, the Vikings are scoring touchdowns instead of field goals. And it's possible the 49ers don't get that luxury. And I think that keeps the game at least competitive. Yeah, the the sample size is what is what I question. So we look at the offenses that they've played. Of course, it was Cleveland last week. Dallas, they had one touchdown in that game. Arizona, I believe they had one. Giants, did they have one touchdown? I don't remember if it was offensive or how it came. Uh, Pittsburgh had one touchdown in the opener. I, I think that's fair. They're not getting to the red zone, but... It's been at a high rate. It feels like it might be a sample size thing. I'm, I'm not concerned about it yet. Uh, to your point about mm-hmm. if you want to take the points, going back to last year's playoff game, seven straight one-score games for the Vikings. Seven straight. Mm. <laughs> Think it's going to be a one-score game. You got to take the Vikes. You have to. Right. That, that, that's kind of where I am in all of this. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm i fine with it. Like, it, it's just too many points. Like, and if Brock Purdy d- does throw an interception, the, the Vikings are more than competent to score off of that. I, I think mm. this game is close. I, I, Kirk I, pick? I, I wouldn't recommend the money line, but we get I think Kirk both have a pick. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. Just a funky game that will be, you know, at least quasi-fun to watch as you've got baseball and another monitor. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. <laughs> Coming up next, has the Heisman market overreacted to a wild Saturday in college football? That's right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Big spot for this Michigan State defense. Now it looks like a free play. Oh, no, no flag yet. Did come in on the near side. Doesn't matter. Here's a touchdown to Colston Loveland. J.J. McCarthy recognized it. Let it rip. And a 22-yard strike to Loveland. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Kind of weird Jack Collinsworth wasn't on the call for that game anyway. All right, we have got a new Heisman favorite. It is Michigan's J.J. McCarthy at plus 240. And we knew the signs were there for Michigan and McCarthy to have a run. That was a pun. I hope someone got right. I got it. I McCarthy. was like, oh, Thank I you. see what you did there. 
Thank you. Thank you. McCarthy plus 240. Panix, uh, now three to one. Jaden Daniels has <laughs> entered the chat. He is now in third position at plus 375. Joe, what stands out to you at the top of the board? You think Daniels has really entered the chat? I know I know he has odds wise, but realistically winning the Heisman, do you think he has just as good of a shot as the other two that are right there in that same tier? I don't I see a path. I, I okay. The, the odds are too short, but I see a path. Okay, yeah, I, we're we're in agreement there. Yeah, JJ McCarthy. We yeah. were talking about that a lot when he was twenty-five to one. Like, look, here's the path. Tough games, end of the year. He's going to be in a position to impress a lot of voters, and we didn't even get to those games yet. He's now the favorite mm-hmm. with, without these. I mean, the numbers just it's it's the final score. It's he's getting all the credit for what his team has done. They keep pummeling teams, and again, they haven't played anybody, but now he's in a perfect position. You know, I think the other part of this, Aaron, is everybody is watching Ohio State-Penn State on Saturday. And yes, Ohio State, the better team on the field. We were most happy that the under came through with flying colors. There was no sweat there. But I think most people's takeaway is, Michigan is so much better than either of these teams. And if it goes like we expect, Michigan's got to be licking their chops watching this game. Well, so that's my question. And maybe this is a stupid question, but going back to Ed's pun about the signs being there, will JJ McCarthy have any trouble winning this award with all of the hot water that Jim Harbaugh seems to find himself in? Like, will that hurt him at all? Yes. Yeah. Cheating. Like, will that, if it's a tighter race, at the end of the day, if they are stealing signs and all the stuff that's gone on, will that hurt McCarthy at all? Oh, my gosh. that That's a I good question. So. I, I think it's a good question. I'm at the point where I think the answer is no, in large part because if you are pummeling teams, like, like they did over the weekend – how much of the sign stealing really matters. And I'm curious too, as far as like college football insiders are concerned, like for instance, uh, Parker Fleming, friend of the show brought up this point. I thought it was a really good one that he's a big TCU guy and Gary Patterson, when he was the head coach there, he would yell out what each individual player should be doing. It's one of the reasons why when he was on the sideline, he looked all sweaty and, you know, (laughs) lost his voice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. All of it. Well, the reason is because he's telling every individual player for every single play where they should be and what they should be doing. Well, if you're stealing signs, all you have to do is just, you know, listen a little carefully and you can probably figure it out. So I wonder if there is a contingent who is just tired of the drama that they might think is being manufactured for no good reason, that maybe people are just out to get Harbaugh. And if that's the case, then that contention is probably voting for McCarthy to win the Heisman. See, I think what's going to end up hurting McCarthy the most in the end, like these are odds. So I wouldn't have him as the favorite, but okay. He's the favorite. And and we talked about his Mm -hmm. path and why he could be um, heading into the final month of the season. See, what I think is going to hurt him the most is when people really sit down and break down these numbers is – Yes, he has a great record. Yes, his team is probably in the playoff. Maybe they're number one at that point. But I'm counting one, two, three, four, 
five games, five of eight games, he has 222 passing yards or fewer. I, I wonder if the some of the numbers are going to match up with the other quarterbacks. Or are we going to have Penix where it's just so much more than McCarthy and that ends up winning out? I think I'd be more concerned about that if I'm holding a McCarthy ticket. That makes sense. What do you think, Aaron? Penix, man. I think Penix still is a really good look. Um, Jaden Daniels, I I saw an interesting stat about them that LSU 8-0 to the over – um, I don't know if he can win it. Is there anyone further down the board? Or is it pretty much just Penix? I mean, the Caleb Williams thing. Whew, he fell off. A cliff. 100 to 1. 100 to 1. It's over. Yeah. It was over last week, but it's officially over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. By the way, yeah, USC. You Remember Jim Mora? Playoffs? I just hope we can win another game. I feel that way about the Trojans. They're talking about Caleb now now sitting the rest of the season. Maybe he should in his number one pick in jeopardy. Yeah, that's too much. It's so beyond dumb. Beyond dumb. (laughs) If that happens, I don't want him. Google it. Get all the headlines. Give me, give me Drake May. But is that just people talking, or is that really being discussed by by someone at USC? That's just people throwing out landish ideas out there. Um, yeah, look, probably. Notre Dame, Utah. Okay. First off, uh, the sh- for the sh- a lot of the sharper betters, they had a great weekend, NFL. Pretty good mm-hmm. in college from what I saw. Uh, wrong on this one. Like this, and I was too. Like I thought USC was in, in a good spot to cover. And, you know, again, 34 points given up by Utah. Their, their offense has been a problem with their second quarterback. Now their third quarterback, I think they're down to. And they're putting up 34 mm-hmm. on you still. What a joke. Um, I'm serious about USC winning again because they still have Washington, Oregon, UCLA. They could lose all of those. Uh, their could. win probably next week at Cal, but they might be mm-hmm. they might be six and six when it's over, which is just crazy to think about. Crazy. Way too much talent for that to be happening. Like, it's way too much talent. Like, I I don't want to say anything outlandish as far as that's concerned, but you got to be better than that. Uh, Washington and Oregon, like, if they've shown us anything, you know, over last weekend and the weekend before, yeah, they're good, but they're beatable. Yeah, they got some, they've got two fantastic quarterbacks in the Pacific Northwest. They're still beatable in in a lot Mm, of different facets of the game. So, USC should be among the front runners, and it's not happening. It's not just because of the Notre Dame thing. It's like Utah has their number. Utah is not on a top tier right now. There's no reason why any one team should have your number at this point. And that's exactly what's happening. When I'm looking at the numbers as far as Heisman goes, average PPA per play uh, from college football data, J.G. McCarthy has actually led the way, and he's been atop this list for a little while now. The value is gone betting on him to win the Heisman for a variety of reasons. Right. Like, it's still too early to, to go after the favorite at that price. I can't do it right now. So no. you should have pounced on it sooner if you really think McCarthy is the guy. But in second position among, you know, the real contenders at quarterback, it's Jaden Daniels out of LSU in terms of average PPA yep. per play. Mike, he's ahead of Michael Penix. So if they do run the table, LSU and Jaden Daniels can certainly be a part of that conversation. The fact that they were able to have such a, an incredible game against Army 
And it wasn't just neighbors doing it. Neighbors has kind of fallen off the Heisman conversation, uh, but that Daniels is still able to put up some massive numbers. Yeah, I get it was against Army, but still, though, you know, those 62 to nothing games still matter at the end of the day. So I think Daniels should still be a part of that conversation. I think the number's too short at this point. But as far as going down the board, the only one really stands out to me, Aaron, is Dylan Gabriel out of Oklahoma. His average PPA per mm-hmm. play at 0.61. Yeah, it's sixth highest among qualifying quarterbacks, but it's something where we are taking Oklahoma seriously as a true Big 12 contender. And if they run the table and Oklahoma makes the playoff, wins the conference, definitely he's going to New York at a minimum. I think I'm with you on Jaden Daniels, though. I mean, they suffered those two losses. So obviously his back is up against the wall and has to, but he's just really been. <laughs> performing so well and then you've seen other quarterbacks if they're going to be inconsistent or have a bad game here and there maybe he will be in that conversation as a finalist when it's all said and done a couple more i want to talk about because we had an extended conversation with ohio state being the big game of the weekend against penn state about marvin harrison did you see what happened he went from 80 to 1 to 25 to 1 just after that game. Maybe it was the Maserati Marv talk, but uh, now it makes more sense. The Marvin Harrison's numbers should be shorter than Kyle McCord, especially after what we saw the week over the weekend and McCord drops to 101. I thought that was interesting. And so if we look at the title odds, there's a top four, and then there's some separation. It is Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, Florida State. He was my preseason pick, so – Maybe I'm biased a little bit. You tell me. Is there value on Jordan Travis still the quarterback of an undefeated team? Jordan Travis here at eight to one. I don't think so. Uh I I think his numbers as, as far as the advanced stats go do not match up. And you know, he was sort of quasi hurt for part of the season. So I think that sort of puts him at a disadvantage. And also, he's in a conference where there's another quarterback who's getting a good bit more attention. Now, granted, Drake May lost. You know, it's a Virginia yeah, of all teams. And he's 50 to 1 now, Drake May. Yeah, and he's that 50 to 1 now. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying Drake May should be part of the Heisman conversation at this point, but mm-hmm. he is stealing some of the spotlight from the East Coast. And I wonder if that matters as well. Hmm. Okay. It's. it's probably a conversation for later this week, but I wonder, is that going to be the four? Are you just going to get your two Big Ten teams, Georgia and Florida State, and nobody from the Pac-12? Really? Hmm. Not yet. I can't do that yet. Mm -hmm. Just can't. Somebody's going to slip up somewhere. And, you know, the fact that Washington had an awful game and still won against Arizona State leads me to believe that even the psychological disconnect, they survived that. I think they're going to be okay. Okay. And, and That's yeah, the only one it looks like. I gotta go ahead. Looks like that's yeah. the only one right now that has a, ch- a realistic chance. But I think they can do it. And that's the thing. Yeah. I, I, I think they're very much in the, in the running there. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, the NFL Week 8 slate is ugly. But that won't stop us from finding our favorite ways to play it. Our first look is coming up right here on the BetQL Network.